Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, exactly how much the Biden administration wants for IT is open to debate. Things have sort of changed historically in, in recent years and how they categorize everything. So it's hard to get a consistent comparison of what the numbers are. And the changes coming to the thrift savings plan should be good changes. For the participant, what they're going to see are some new features. Things like a TSP sponsored mobile app. There'll be the ability to sign documents electronically. It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Federal government IT spending would go up 11% under the budget request. The Biden administration releases today. Billy Mitchell's writing about it at fedscoop.com. $11 billion to bolster federal cybersecurity is the other item that you put at the top of this story, Billy. What else do you see as you review the budget request the White House released today? Welcome. So, well, thank you, Francis, for having me. And, um, you know, these budget request proposals, uh, you know, tend to look a lot the same year over year, but it's exciting because this is the first really big one under the Biden administration. Last year, it was a lot about the American Rescue Plan Act, and it was the first sort of dummy budget that the Biden administration would come out with under uh, its terms. So this is the first real one where we get to see a lot of its priorities and whatnot. And obviously, a lot has happened over the past year when it comes to IT modernization and cybersecurity. So you see a lot of that reflected in this budget proposal document. Like you said, uh, $11 billion of it going to cybersecurity, that's a pretty big boost from last year when they uh, requested $9.8 billion to go to cybersecurity. But this is one of the biggest increases overall in terms of federal IT and IT modernization that we've seen in really like 12 or 13 years. Uh, it's an 11% increase in that top line value. Uh, things have sort of changed historically in, in recent years and how they categorize everything. So it's hard to get a consistent comparison of what the numbers are, but it went from, you know, uh, 58.4 billion uh, in estimated spending last year to about 65 billion this year. And that's, yeah, that's a pretty hefty increase when usually you see something like two to three percent increase, maybe four percent, but then it increased by about 11 percent, which is uh, pretty significant. So it looks like the administration's really putting its money to back these priorities that it's come out with over the last year. The number that people have been talking about in IT for the last couple of weeks, at least, is what's the number going to be for the Technology Modernization Fund? Our colleague John Hewitt-Jones writes $300 million is the number that the administration has gone to. What do you think that means about at least what the administration thinks the future of that fund should look like? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, this is sort of a, the song and dance we see a lot where uh, administration will come out and propose maybe $150 million. Last year, I think it was $500 million. Um, and now it's kind of... Uh, settled on this 300 million number in, that's somewhere in between. And, you know, more often than not, we don't see that number end up uh, being what the uh, Congress will appropriate. But it, it, it sort of signifies that the TMF and the TMF board have sort of um, realized what it can do and what sort of number it needs to kind of sustain this level of work that it's uh, kind of seen over the last year since that $1 billion injection under the American Rescue Plan Act. So I think it still remains to be seen whether that that $300, $300 million will actually happen um, or if there will be any sort of money because there's still a lot of money sitting in the pot. And I would imagine 
there's a lot of people on Capitol Hill that are sort of anxious to see how that gets spent. But um, yeah, I think it, it's sort of a, a sign that uh, the, the board and the federal CIO council have kind of understood what sort of number they need to settle in on. You rightfully referred to this a moment ago as a budget request, a budget proposal, and Congress obviously gets the final say in this. Um, unfortunately, we're here in the end of March, and we just a couple of weeks ago got final appropriations for this fiscal year. This will be for the fiscal year that begins September 30th. Do we have any sense yet of any of the markers that members of Congress have talked about, especially appropriators, uh, regarding any of these IT investments, either broadly across the enterprise, as we've discussed so far, or within the individual agencies, Billy? No, and that's the interesting thing is it's, you know, we've been waiting so long for this year, the 2022 fiscal year's uh, budget to be passed. And that just happened. It it kind of, I was kind of surprised that we got such a good look into this one at this point in time, because that was, like you said, a matter of weeks ago. But, you know, what will happen now is there's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth on the Hill in these budget hearings, and there will be a lot of light shed on sort of what those priorities are that will kind of make it into the final appropriations. But more often than not, things look a lot different, especially when it comes to those big chunks of money. But uh, I think people realize how important certain things are like cybersecurity. And I don't think, uh, you know, although the cybersecurity uh, budget number maybe is uh, a, a bit more than it's been in years past. There's a reason for that. It's because agencies and uh, other, other private organizations continue to get hacked and something needs to be done about this. So I think people on the Hill understand that and some of those numbers will, will make it to the final appropriations. This document is huge as it is every year. And to be fair, you and, and our other colleagues have only had a chance to really scratch the surface of it, not really dig into it. As you do have a chance in the coming days to really dig into it, Billy, what will you look at? What will you go to some of the budget lines or the categories or dots that you'll try to connect and so on? Yeah. So there's a there's a nice chain of command that happens here. And obviously the, the White House wants to kind of have its moment in time to shine. And, uh, you know, there's there's dominoes that sort of have to fall one after the other. So now that the White House has its uh, big proposal out, we'll, we'll see a lot more from agencies, um, especially uh, some of those larger agencies we're interested in seeing some. Uh, we've already seen indications that there will be more money put to the Department of Veterans Affairs Electronic Health Records Modernization Program, which is uh, pretty um, uh Issue ridden, I'll put it at that at best. Um, but we'll, we'll continue. We'll, we'll see the scrutiny there and some of the money that they'll need to kind of continue to add to that. What's already sixteen billion dollars plus that's been invested in that. We'll look into the defense spend. Um, the defense bill in itself is, uh, you know, half of the entire budget basically at, at this point. So there's a lot of IT, R and D, things like AI and whatnot that we'll continue to pull out of it. But just those larger programs and look at how these larger agencies, whether it's DHS or, or others, continue to spend their money and invest in modernization and um, kind of work together across this larger federal enterprise to push some of these larger initiatives like the cybersecurity EO, the move to zero trust, customer experience, experience and things of that nature. Billy Mitchell, thanks as always. Great reporting and look forward to more as you continue to tease stuff out of this document. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You can read more in the budget request and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. 
Decision makers from the Navy, the Jake Office, the DOD, the State Department, and more agencies are coming to the Government Forum 2022. It'll be at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City, April 19th. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Thrift Savings Plan's another step closer to rolling out its new record keeper. It's still on target for a summer release. Kim Weaver's Director of External Affairs, the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. Kim, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. I looked at the materials from the board meeting last week, and it's fascinating to me some of the names that you're using for this Converge rollout. What is so significant about test load four it sounds like everybody's really happy about it kim welcome we are very happy about it it's it's we're borrowing i think from nasa but our test load four is the fourth time that we are shipping data over to our new record keeper um and to make sure that it's being received in a timely fashion, but more importantly, being received and slotted into the right place in their system so that when we go live, they're able to process payroll data when it comes in and keep track of all the information we have. All right, here's the good news. The Thrift Savings Board's transmission of test load data for test load for data matched our expectations. That's got to be a big celebration happening at the TSP. That is absolutely. You know, when things go what you when things do what you wanted them to do, it always works out well. All right. I'm struck by some of the cool, fun ways that you're naming things. So you got test load four, which I guess is just kind of a regular methodology. But you also, I, I note, uh, are preparing a get excited campaign for people. What should people get excited about for this rollout? Well, we want our participants to know what's coming, right? We don't want them, we don't want day one for us to have a new record keeper, new features, and them not know about it. That would be not helpful for anybody. So our Get Excited campaign, we are sending out emails. We put a we put an enclosure with the annual statement that we send to all of our participants. And we're telling people what's coming and what's what they can be uh, expecting this summer. Do uh, you have completed? I'm happy to see. Hello world testing. What does that? What does that mean? Hello world testing means that we have set up um, through with our new record keeper. Payroll offices have successfully tested and met met the new record keeper and said hello and made sure that they are able to talk to each other and transmit data. What does all of this mean for the participants, Kim? What's the benefit that someone will see when this Converge project is complete? So for the participant, what they're going to see are some new features, things like a TSP-sponsored mobile app. There'll be the ability to sign documents electronically. There'll be the ability to get, if you want, assistance rolling money into the TSP, and we'll help you with that. Uh, those are the kinds of things that we're rolling out uh, that we, we know participants are interested in because we do our surveys every year, and we think it'll really help smooth out um, their their interactions with the TSP. I mentioned the timeline is this summer. Is there anything more concrete than that as far as the deadline that you're working toward, Kim? The summer sounds excellent. You'll take, you'll take that and leave it there. 
Um, yes. Number of other things that you and your colleagues on the board looked at in the monthly meeting. Uh, one of those is enterprise risk management. What is new on that front? We looked at um, our risk treatment plan. So we have our risks and uh, there are things again, that most every um, federal agency or quite frankly, any organization would have insider threat, information security, data process, uh, data privacy. And we look to see how successful our risk treatment plans were in mitigating those. And things like, for example, um, insider threat, we developed a new program, a new process, and we feel that we have mitigated that threat down to a medium risk from a medium high. Things like information security are going to stay at a medium high risk, you know, I'm pretty sure from now until eternity, given the situation, uh, again, that every organization faces with, with having to repel the bad guys. Uh, an internal audit update at the meeting this month. What did you learn there? Our chief uh, audit executive gave an update on the audit plan that she has for calendar year 2022, and it's going to include things like um, looking at, uh, as you as you know, we instituted having two fund managers uh, last year, and she's going to look at that and see how it's going, making sure everything is going smoothly there. She's in charge of the FISMA audit, which will be kicking off in two months, I think. And she'll also be looking, as I just mentioned, she'll be looking at our insider threat program to make sure that that is doing everything we think it is and doing it well. Now that, uh, the fact that you have two vendors now, that's part of your vendor risk management uh, strategy too, right? Yes. And and one of the things that our enterprise risk um, presentation talked about is we're implementing a, a new tool, which in and of itself, a tool doesn't do anything for you unless you've put it together um, and integrated it. And so, it is software where we'll be able to integrate our enterprise risks, our vendor risks, our FISMA risks, and um, make sure that there is a view into all of that and that it's linked so that we're not siloing because dealing with individual silo- siloed risks, you know, is is helpful, but it's not as useful as it as it would be if you're looking at it holistically. Some big numbers in the participant uh, results this month. I note seventy eight percent of active duty participants. Uh, that's huge because you and I have been talking about this all the way back to when that first began. First participants at 95%. I mean, I wonder who yes. those 5% are at this point. It seems kind of counterintuitive. Um, uniform services participants up to 81%. I mean, you just keep adding people and adding people and adding people. Yes. Well, again, a large part of that is um, uniform services, the blended retirement and automatic enrollment. But um, it is also the all of the auto features, right? Auto enrollment, um, auto... Uh, uh, contributions at 5%. So no one is leaving um, money on the table, right? If you're a new, if you're a new participant, FERS or BRS, um, you will get a 5% match because we're auto-enrolling you at 5%. Um, Blended is a little, it's delayed because of their system slightly differently, slightly different, but um, 
it all of that makes a huge difference in people's ability to save for retirement. I don't necessarily expect specific numbers off the top of your head, but what's your sense of the number of people who are coming into government service, seeing the 5% automatic enrollment and deciding not to do it or to do a smaller number? I wouldn't think it's probably too many people. There's, we have about one, one and a half percent of people who opt out entirely. I don't know how many people opt out of the five and and choose a lower percentage, but it's a very small percentage of people who choose not to contribute at all. Very small percentage of people who decide that to make a really bad decision. That's my opinion. But um, what else uh, is kind of on the landscape? Anything over the horizon in the TSP that we should pay attention to? So from our perspective, the the record keeper rollout this summer will be is is pretty much all not all, but it is the thing that we are primarily focused on. It has the most effect on our participants, and it is something that we want to get absolutely spot on. Kim Weaver, thanks very much as always. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Francis. You can read more about the Thrift Savings Plan in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put it together every day, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast returns tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.